So Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 54. Then they seized him, that's Jesus, they seized Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. And he went out and wept bitterly. Lord, we take just a few moments here to quiet our hearts before you. I ask that you would turn down the volume of the internal noise that all of us brings into this room. Rid us of the desensitizing familiarity that many of us have when we come to this passage. Speak, Jesus, the great shepherd. Your sheep are listening. Help us to follow your voice. Amen. You may have your seats. Darren alluded to it during worship, but one of our rhythms here at BGC is in the turn of the year we give attention to spiritual formation which is another way of saying how we grow how we mature as Christians so we're formed through practices like prayer and Bible study we're formed as we obey Christ and take the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations today though I'd like to consider how we're formed through failure How do we as disciples of Jesus change as we go through the lowest moments of our lives? Now, the experience of failure can take a lot of different shapes and forms. It can be a moral failure like we see here in Peter's life. Failure can also be the decisions that others have made that lead us into an experience of failure. Maybe it's financial ruin or a job loss that brings you to a point where you feel like a failure. A dream dies. A relationship dissolves, maybe ends in divorce. A chronic health issue constantly reminds you you're not like all of those people, whoever they are. Maybe you got sideways with your friends at school. Or maybe by no fault of your own, you're just not a part of the cool kids club. You see, no matter if you're young or you're old, life has a way of bringing all of us low. The question I'm asking this morning is, how do those times form us? 
The point I'm trying to make is pretty simple. Your growth and mine involves formation through failure. You will not grow, Christian. You will not grow apart from going through hard times. But here's the good news. You only need one thing to get through those hard times, and his name is Jesus. Two simple points, and again, my organizing question, how are we formed through failure? Two ways, very simply. Failure teaches us to trust in God, not ourselves, and failure clarifies our need for grace. Failure teaches us to trust in God, not ourselves. If you know your Bible, then you know that things go down here exactly the way that Jesus said they would. Look back up at Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Jesus, in talking to Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. In Matthew's gospel, Peter says, though they all fall away because of you, all these guys, all the disciples, they're all going to fall away because of you, I won't. I will never fall away. Even, I'm, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And I believe him. Peter meant what he said. He was fully committed to Jesus. The problem was that Peter's commitment had too much Peter in it. When was the last time you made an I never statement? My wife and kids will tell you that if you want to give me road rage, drive in the passing lane right at the speed limit or worse, just below the speed limit. They're like, dude, you've got to chill out. <laughs> no, I won't chill out. I never do that. Except when I do. You know how painful it is that one of your kids who doesn't even drive says, uh, hey, Dad, aren't you supposed to move over? There's like a whole line of cars behind us. Guys, we don't even live up to our own standards, much less God's. But that sure does not keep us from thinking too highly of ourselves. We see other Christians sin or act in certain ways and we think, I would never do that. We're me monsters in conversation. You know what I mean by that? Me, 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 I, I, I. We dominate conversations, and we don't even realize we're doing it. We have an air about us because we have money. We have nice homes. We have great jobs. We flex on people with our intelligence. We mock people who aren't as good-looking or as strong or as well-educated as we are. But failure has a way of bringing us all right back down to earth again. Peter trusted in his own strength and his courage. 
And under the pressure of interrogation, he found out how weak he really was. Where are you feeling weak right now? You know that doesn't make you an anomaly, right? It just means that you're human. One of the reasons I love the Bible is that it's, it's real. And in his book, Sensing Jesus, there's an author, his name is Zach Eswine. He reminds us of the reality of the Bible. Listen to this quote. We know about Noah's drunken debacle alongside of knowing of his courage and faith. We rightly honor Abraham's faith while rightly remembering the fact that selfish fear could get the best of him. Moses murdered. He shrank back. His temper squandered his opportunity to physically step into the promised land. Yet he also believed and courageously led. We sing the psalms of a man after God's own heart, but this man also did terrible deeds and at times made tragic choices far beneath his calling and the grace given him. Jonah raised his fists at grace. Paul teaches us, but God made sure that we receive Paul's teaching and integrity while knowing Saul of Tarsus' bitter story. Peter exalts Christ for us, but we're not gullible regarding the kind of cowardly sin that Peter exemplified when Jesus was arrested. Then Eswine asked this question. What if God's reason for showing us these broken heroes is that we learn who not to be, but also that we can come to our senses about who we already are? Through the story of Peter and many others, the Bible presents to you and I one of our most fundamental problems. We're proud. We think too highly of ourselves. And because God loves us, He kindly weans us off of our self-reliancy. He teaches us to trust in Him, not in ourselves. The hard thing about humility, though, is sometimes you have to be humbled to learn humility. Those of you that I know really well, you, you know that a few years ago, I, I was just in a bad spot. I was. Church was really hard. COVID hit. My mom died. I was burnt. I was really burned out. And then I packed our family up and we traveled across the country for three months. So far be it for me to complain about traveling for three months, okay? Don't get me wrong, we had some great times, and I'm so grateful for the time that this church gave me to travel. But guys, I was in a bad headspace. And I don't know all of what God was trying to show me then, I don't. But one thing I do know is that John 15, 5 is real. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I believe now more than ever in my entire life that if I'm really going to make it as a Christian, I'm going to make it because of Jesus, not because I'm trusting in myself. Some of you right now are in the middle of your low point. It might not be because you've sinned, or it might be because you've sinned. Either way, can I encourage you this morning? I know that it's really hard right now. And I know that you want more than anything to be in a different spot in your life. 
But your tendency in mine, especially at these moments, is to trust in ourselves. It's to try to fix things. It's to try to rush to things that make us feel better so that we can escape the pain that we're feeling. But we all know that so often those escape mechanisms, they just make our problems worse. There's a better way for you, friend. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, all of your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. How are we formed through failure? Failure forms us by teaching us to trust in God, not ourselves. Again, the point I'm trying to make is that our growth as Christians involves formation through failure. We're, we're formed through failure by trusting in God, not ourselves. And secondly, failure clarifies our need for grace. It clarifies our need for grace. A verse that always gets me in this passage is verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I imagine Peter recounting this story and, and being like, that, that's when it hit me. The Lord turned and looked at me. Three chances. I had three chances to show my loyalty to him. And I blew every single one of them. A real tough guy I am. I'm nothing but a coward. I remember riding the bus to school in fifth grade, and every morning we would pick up a girl at the corner of my street. Her name was Melissa. Melissa wasn't very attractive. She was overweight. She was about a year or two younger than me. And often there was a friend of mine that I rode the bus with that he would make fun of her constantly and say these awful things to her. Sometimes Melissa would fight back. Sometimes she just stared out the window with tears rolling down her face. I feel so bad for her. But I just sat there quiet. Why didn't I stand up for her? Why didn't I tell my friend to shut his mouth? Because I'm a coward. Just like Peter, I choose my comfort. I choose my reputation. I choose my own idea of safety instead of doing what's right. Peter knew what was right. It wasn't a lack of information. Jesus taught him, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Peter knew what was right. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. 
He saw a man who was ashamed to identify with him. Haven't we all been Peter at some point? Haven't you kept your mouth closed when your reputation was on the line? Haven't you hidden your faith when it costs you something? When being Christian isn't cool or when it's bad for business? Haven't we all failed to keep our commitments to Christ? Maybe it's your temper. Maybe you just cut someone deep with angry words that you promised you'd never speak again. Maybe you've crossed the line sexually that you swore you would never cross. Maybe you've gone too far with food or shopping or work or weed or alcohol. Maybe you can't let go of that craving you have for control or respect or popularity or the possessions that you just can't be happy without. Maybe you've cheated on a test. Maybe you've stolen from someone. Maybe you're lying to your parents. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Jesus sees us at our worst moments. And when we're alone and weeping like Peter was, one thing ought to be crystal clear. We have broken things that we cannot fix. You have a sin sickness so deep inside of you that you cannot heal. And what you need is grace. Failure clarifies our need for grace. You see, we act sometimes, we act so surprised when we sin. And I'm sure Peter probably thought at some point, I cannot believe I did that. Like he was shocked. Jesus wasn't shocked. He told Peter this would happen. Jesus knew who he was getting when he called Peter to follow him. Jesus knew who he was getting when he told you to follow him. You see, when we get hurt and people offend us, we get angry and we retaliate or we withdraw. That's not how God is. Jesus turned and looked at Peter. As if to say, Peter, I know everything about you. I see the things you wish I didn't see. And Peter, I love you. Now during failure, we so often think that we got to fix our problem without relying on others, including God. We try to control situations and manage our self-image. And we do this even when we're not failing. Loveless, Richard Loveless, in his book, Dynamics of Spiritual Life, describes how many of us, Christian, many of us relate to God like this. We believe that God loves us because we obey his law. We draw our assurance of acceptance with God from our sincerity, our past experience of conversion, our recent religious performance, or the relative infrequency of our conscious, willful disobedience. Search yourself and see if that's not true. In short, we say we believe in grace, but we live as if we've earned God's love and need to maintain and keep it. 
We fear God's judgment and we shy away from approaching Him honestly. Some of us come from churches that put so much pressure and emphasis on religious performance that we don't dare be honest in church about our real struggles. Church is a place where you better come and clean yourself up or else. Brothers and sisters, this is not gospel culture. All of these ways of living are a denial of our need for grace. It's a denial of the very gospel we proclaim to believe. And it does damage to our souls when we hide our sins and go undercover from God and we force one another to do the same thing. It does damage to our souls. When we, when we hide our struggles instead of bringing them honestly to God and being honest with those that we trust, you will do damage to your soul. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And I believe that Jesus was looking for one thing when he stared at Peter. Does Peter see his need for grace? Do you? Is your heart's cry the lyrics of this hymn? Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked I come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. Yes. Failure clarifies our need for grace. In our lowest moments, we are formed by coming to trust more fully in Jesus' perfect life, in his atoning death, substituting himself for you, and in his resurrection. And we truly believe that it's by grace we are saved through faith. We come to honestly start believing Jesus is my only hope. And we really believe it. I wish it weren't so. Truly, guys, I wish it were not so. But it takes failure to see our need for grace. Our growth as Christians involves formation through failure. And we're formed, we change, as we continually place our trust in the Lord and we seek Him again and again and again for grace. That's how we're changed. That's how we're formed. But you know, sadly, this is not Peter's last failure. Galatians 2 tells us of how Peter went back to trusting in himself. He went back to trusting in being a good Jew rather than relying on Jesus. You can read about that in Galatians 2. But I am convinced that it was failures like these, the failures in Peter's life, life that we know about and the failures that we don't, that led him to being able to write these words. This is 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Then listen to this. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You got to go through some stuff to write like that. Some of our best theology is formed through failure. And Peter's confidence in life and in death should be yours and mine as well. Our confidence is Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much. Thank you that you knew us before we ever knew you and you saw all of who we are and you loved us the same. Thank you that we can look away from ourselves and we can look to you. I thank you that you continually give us your grace. And I pray this morning, especially for my friends who feel like they are at their lowest. Jesus, would you strengthen them? Would you encourage them? Would you help them to see what it is that you're trying to show them? And would you help them to put their confidence more fully in your perfect life, death, and resurrection? Give them the peace that only you can provide. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.